Hello everyone, this is Gilbert Jalad. I'm talking to you here from Private Public Council headquarters in downtown. This is Tufts on Tax, where all your tax questions and answers are right here with Mr. T. Scott Tufts, the master when it comes to taxes and tax law. Hello, Scott. How are you? Good to be with you. Good to be with you too. And uh, I guess we're talking about an interesting topic today. What is it about taxes and what topic are we talking about? So we're, 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 we're going to make sure that uh, we're on top of what's coming. And that is dealing with the BOI reporting that starts next year, January 1, 2024. Beneficiary beneficial ownership reporting and we're going to talk about a, a, a case that has come out that uh, our audience needs to know about so those are the two things but the the essence is that um, the IRS has issued some uh, FAQs on the BOI reporting and we're, we want our audience to kind of know some of what the IRS is, I mean, not the IRS, but the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network out of the Department of Treasury, what they're saying about the coming BOI reporting rule. Okay. So remember, we've had it, we've talked about this in the past. The, B, the BOI reporting rule is beneficial ownership information. And what we've told everyone is that starting next year, you will be electronically reporting your company information and all beneficial owners. So, and, and what is a beneficial owner uh, is a little bit surprising here. So this all arises from the Corporate Transparency Act. This is involving the Treasury Department's, what we call FinCEN, or the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. And here's, here's what they say in the FAQ as to uh, what they're doing, okay? So the, the question is, what is beneficial ownership information? And here's what they say. Beneficial ownership information refers to identifying information about the individuals who directly or indirectly own or control a company. Now, they then say, on the FAQ, why are they doing this? Why is this needing to get done? And here's what they say. Very few states in the United States or territories require companies to disclose information about their beneficial owners. That means individuals who own or control the companies. This lack of transparency allows criminals, corrupt officials, and other bad actors to hide their identities and launder illicit funds through the United States using shell and front companies. This in turn hurts ordinary Americans because of the lack of transparency results in an uneven playing field for honest and legitimate U.S. businesses. The inaccessibility of beneficial ownership information also makes it hard for law enforcement to track and prosecute criminal activity. So they point out that the Corporate Transparency Act that was enacted in 2021 with bipartisan support has now trying to get out in front of this information. And FinCEN, who's going to receive this information, is the 
is the part of the treasury that's responsible for safeguarding financial system information and keep it from illicit use. So they're going to be disclosing this reported beneficial ownership information to other authorized government authorities, financial institutions, and other authorized users. So the collection of this information and sharing it with law enforcement, financial institutions, or other authorized users, FinCEN is going to make it harder for bad actors to hide or benefit from their ill-gotten gains. Companies that report beneficial ownership information will contribute to this goal. So, Gilbert, if you follow me, this is essentially um, if, if many folks look to not disclose who their owners are when they file their corporate information, they want to keep that private. What this is saying is that's all well and good, but as to what the Treasury Department needs to know, they need to know who's really behind the organization, whether you want to disclose it for purposes of the general public, right? You may not have to, but for purposes of telling them what they need to know, they're going to need to know. And so let me just give you a sense of how this is pretty significant. And there's one of the examples they give in the FAQ that I want to talk about. So they, they point out and they say, okay, so um, we're going to show you how this is going to work um, moving forward. And so they say, um, the FAQ that I'm looking at is FAQ number nine, and it gives some examples. And this is kind of helpful for folks to kind of understand how it works. And so they said, in the example, they say, the company that's got a report, so let's say right now you have a corporation, okay, and it's owned by four individuals who each own 25%. Got it? And shares of stock. And you have four other individuals who serve as the CEO, the CFO, the COO, and general counsel. Okay? None of them, none of those officers have any ownership. Got it? Under these rules, there will be eight beneficial owners to report. Eight owners? Eight. Not the eight. There'll be eight. For purposes of this reporting, there will be eight names that have to be reported. Oh. All of those 25% shareholders, uh -huh. right? And the CEO, CFO, the COO, and general counsel. And they will all be treated as, quote, beneficial owners because they have control of the organization. And all eight will be identified under this reporting. That means that those of you out there operating as general counsel, those of you operating as COO, you're operating as CFO, CEO, even though you don't own anything, they don't know that. And so the idea here is that who's in control of the organization, they're looking for human beings with control. Basically who runs it. Exactly. Because in the day, you know, if you're not disclosing that, how do they know who's on first? Who's calling the shots, if you will? So what this reporting is doing is trying to get uh, folks to reveal that to the people that need to know. Now, I don't know if you heard what I said. The people who you're reporting to, um, it's FinCEN. But FinCEN already is saying that they're going to 
disclose that reported beneficial ownership information to certain authorized government authorities, financial institutions, and other authorized users. I don't know what other authorized users may be. But um, this reporting is dealing with a whole lot more than I think people are realizing. Um, and it, it's turning upside down a little bit the uh, concept of, of who the um, beneficial owners will be and what kind of information. And I, it's my understanding this is going to go in electronically. So the actual re report will be a secured filing system uh, that is being developed and it'll be ready to go January 1, 2024. Again, all of this is available on the uh, FinCEN FAQs that are online. All right. So Gilbert, um, there's helpful information online for folks who have this. So if you have a question about it, uh, you can get to the FinCEN site. There's user-friendly information uh, there, but they're trying to already get out in front of it. And I've been monitoring. This is from a press release on March 24th, 2023. All right. But now what got me to, to think about this is uh, we're trying to stay out on Tufts on Tax Year. We're trying to stay out on on cases that develop that might surprise people. Um, I don't know if you remember, uh, Gilbert, but 10, 15 years ago, uh, there was an, a change in the way that we looked at Swiss bank accounts and, and people that had those. And uh, the Obama administration went ahead and changed the policy to where uh, a lot of the old ways of doing things, of hiding and concealing accounts in these uh, four, you know, Swiss bank accounts and so forth, suddenly fa faced having to disclose those. And, and so you have your tax forms that say, do you have signature authority over any foreign bank account? And you check yes or no on your tax return. It's driving at that information. But many of our listeners may not realize that um, there's a lot more to this than just checking yes or no. Uh, some folks have more than just an account overseas. They may have a trust or some entity formed in a foreign jurisdiction. And so the uh, Fairbank case that's come out uh, earlier this year, I wanted to talk about too. So we'll finish up with this. Uh, but Gilbert, this is... Um, um, dealing with this beneficial ownership concept. But what, what caught my eye with this is many folks don't realize that foreign countries and you set up some kind of arrangement, uh, there, somebody here in the United States has to interpret that relationship or what that is. So if I say to you, um, you know, what do you have? You might be able to say, I have a company. You might say, I have a corporation. You might say, I have a trust, Right. But if it's located overseas, you might say something to me like, and in the Fairbank case, you might say something to me like, well, you have a, and let me see what they called it, a, um, an establishment. You have a Swiss establishment. And you may, and I, I, hearing that, might say, what are you talking about, Right. I don't know what an establishment is. And I might say, well, what do you mean? You say, well, many years ago, we, we put together, uh, we had a f foreign bank account, and then we got to uh, dealing with it, and we work with lawyers and different people. And, and so we don't know what it is, but it's apparently under this foreign country's laws. Got it? So let's say you know enough to say, I call it not A, not B, but C. And you and I have to figure out what C is. 
right? What I mean by that is it may not be called corporation or LLC or something like that. You follow me? Right? The foreign countries may have something that call it something different. And in this case, Fairbank case, we're talking about an establishment which was organized as an anstalt under the laws of Liechtenstein. Okay. So company, well, we should expect that foreign countries would have their own concepts of businesses and trusts, right? Mm -hmm. So why I'm going through this is um, the U.S. tax laws here will look to try and analogize that and determine what, it, what do we think it is? What do, what do we think it is? What do we think it is, right? And... Uh, the Fairbank case took apart this establishment and determined that um, it looked more like a trust. Okay? It didn't look like something in business. So you mean when they interpreted to here, it looked to them, according to... According to the case, yeah. looked like a trust, not an, a, um, a business. Okay. okay? Now that's important because once they classify it, then they, once they called it a foreign trust, then Gilbert, we know there are forms that require annual reporting of transactions with foreign trusts or foreign gifts. And if they did not report that annually prior. Right, and it's just a report. It's not even an income. Just to, it's just to, tell us about it. And, and I'm showing you here, you know, the 3520 that's got line 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 of uh tell us the name of the trust what's its address um is so that's that the usa the form, uh, yeah 3520 and um so so what we're getting at here is they're trying to drill down and once again gilbert gather the information but it gets even more involved in this once they classified it as a form as a trust okay the, and they're looking for this form that you have to file. Well, in this case, the uh, taxpayer had not filed those forms in a long time, okay? Had not filed the foreign trust form, okay? And that foreign trust form and their reporting went all the way back to 2000. Hmm. And... What they determined, Gilbert, was that even though the tax return was filed, more than three years had expired, but they didn't put with their form, Form 3520, mm -hmm. IRS were able to open up those decades of years and get the income tax on the item. You know, in other words, audit them, open up those returns, and get the income out of those foreign accounts Ouch. that was not reported. And how much do they owe the IRS? Well, it, it did not look to me, uh, interesting enough in this case, even though they opened it up, you would expect it to be a huge amount. Uh, what I can tell you is the penalties are much larger than the uh, amount. So it wasn't significant amount of income. Oh. But the, the fees... The penalties on top of it for not doing it, Oh, ouch. Yes, and, and here's the thing. They then said, well, we relied on our CPA, hmm. right? And so it says, as for Mrs. F's reliance on the CPA, right? Taxpayer, you have not demonstrated that you have satisfied a certain test, which is that 
We were satisfied that the CPA was competent. So that's one, one part of the test. You have to rely on somebody that's competent, right? But they said, you have not provided us any evidence that you gave your CPA the necessary and accurate information to do it. And since the CPA didn't know about the foreign accounts, Oh. Okay. How can they prove that though, if he knew well, or not? What I'm saying is, well, what these accountants do is they use organizers and they send out an organizer to you and say, and ask you a series of questions mm -hmm. before you even get to working on your return. And it, one of those questions probably is going to be, do you have any foreign bank accounts or foreign trust? Oh, okay. And if you don't tell your accountant, then you're not going to be able to benefit from relying on that accountant. So you can only, you can only rely on something. You, you can't give professional advice unless you're given all the information, correct? Right. So that's kind of the point. And so they went all the way back for, for the years 2003 through 2009 and picked up some additional income that had been earned. So if, if you're following me, it's no joke. That's old forms open up prior years. And so our audience needs to know that if you don't file these forms we talk about, Gilbert, um, it, it might be worse than you think by not filing these forms. And, and from the BOI reporting that's coming next year, I think the bottom line is it's going to get more and more difficult because you're going to have to disclose, you're going to have to be transparent, and if you don't, the consequence is that you might be opened up for this prior year. Basically, the gaps are getting smaller. Yep. People can't hide stuff as they used to. Correct. So with a situation like this, they were trying to hide their income to, to save money? I, I don't perceive it to be a lot of taxing, taxable income here. I mean, I, I, from what I have, they, they were using the money. They had many years of having foreign bank accounts mm -hmm. going all the way back to the 80s. So this particular uh, Fairbank case, they, it, it rolled all the way back uh, to the 80s that they had some issues. But what happened was the couple got divorced, and the, the husband was a CPA, and they, they got divorced many years ago, before the years that we're talking about in this thing. But the, uh, the accountant and the, 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 the couple had split, but they were using this money that had been sitting around foreign land to pay child support. Mm. They both were using it? Or one? No, one was using it to pay the child support of the other, but the, but the, the, the wife in this situation was orchestrating the payments, in other words, making sure that the payments were being made. So it wasn't a business. The, the account that they were using was essentially operating like a trust with the kids as the beneficiaries of the child support obligation. So if you follow me, essentially what we're saying is that a, a foreign entity trust was being used as a mechanism by which to continue to make these child support payments that were agreed upon to be made. So I get, so so that, that that raises one final point. If you're using, understandably so, if you're using foreign trusts or entities to buy real estate and yeah, so so I, I would just say that if you have activities abroad, mm -hmm. our system will want to know about it. And I just think that's the rule of thumb that we're going to get to. The Fairbank case, the BOI, I think we, we, we're, we're going to have to accept 
at least according to what we're seeing, that you're going to have to be transparent with our government and on taxes and, and all these details privately with them. You gotta tell them everything. Exactly, and and it's not just tell them everything territorially speaking here. It's now going to start next year being territorially and worldwide. Mm -hmm. So I think I don't think I, I think we can just cut to that, which is you're you, you're going to have to disclose everything you have everywhere, and and trust that with the government here, our government. Because so that you are um, abiding by these laws and regulations. So now, even if you don't report something and you have something brought, they have their ways to find out. Right? Yes. Okay. So and if they find out you didn't, mm -hmm. then this is what we're kind of talking about. Then you've got the problem of penalties. Yeah, penalties of not doing it or worse. And and um, so. You know, I don't think we're talking about, um, you know, uh, innocent mistakes, you know, like where you, you, you disclose it, but it doesn't get picked up on the return. I mean, I think we're, we're talking about a situation where you just choose not to no disclose it. For mistake. No. And this beneficial ownership stuff that we're getting into, as I described in that example, it's not just the owners. It's going to be the people calling the shots, and they're going to have to be listed. And... That means if the entity or business gets in trouble, then all the persons you name probably are, are going to get looked at. So everybody's penalized. And so I think the days are gone of hiding who's calling the shots. Mm -hmm. I think that's the way we got to look at it, that they, they, they don't want show entities that they can't find out who's calling the shots. And they find out even if you hide it because they have these treaties between these governments? Yeah, okay. yeah they, do, they do have the treaties, but they don't always, that did not translate into the reporting rules. Mm -hmm. This new Corporate Transparency Act is, is saying, we're not going to let you, essentially, we're not going to let you use these foreign rules you know, these reporting rules to, to bypass that, you know? So, so I when think, I go to a foreign country or I, uh, you know, sign up for a bank account or transfer money in an account over there or own a land or anything, over there they will ask me certain questions mm -hmm. to abide by the American... No, by their laws. Yeah. Right. Knowing that, that I am an American, right? Uh, they, they will have certain categories or criterias mm -hmm. to follow yep. and tell me to follow it because knowing that the, our government will uh, yeah. follow that. Well, I, I'd say that's, a, that's what you're talking about, about agreement with treaty or agreement of protocols. And, and, but I'd also say to add to that, Gilbert, you've got whatever their laws are. We're not the only. We're not the only uh, uh, laws <laughs> that might have their own concerns. How are they attacking and, and pursuing um, money laundering and illicit transactions and so forth? Do with both. Yeah. You have a foreign entity or a trust or land, yeah. whatever, and then you have to abide by their rules. Yeah. And you have to make sure that we report yeah. and follow our. I think these rules, at the end of the day, are going to allow the Treasury Department to serve as the point person to more effectively identify who's calling the shots for an entity that shows up on the radar screen. 
right? So I think that's what we're talking about here. If you've got an entity, the days are gone that you're not going to have to be, you know, identify who's who's calling the shots, and or at least you know a number of people, as in that example, there are at least eight people that were, you know, in the example. And remember, four twenty-five percent owners who are not calling, who are not officers, and four officers who are not owners. All eight are listed on that BOI report. Mm -hmm. So, so the days when uh, are they trying to avoid also scams and and uh, of course, yeah. and and they're, they're worried about the shell companies. We've talked about a couple of cases in, in the past uh, where the shell companies have been the real problem of hiding, concealing, and illicit activity. Mm -hmm. So, so as a policy, you know, we certainly applaud that. But with this comes a whole new way of thinking in the, in the big picture. And so um, our audience will expect to hear from us on future episodes where we'll get into this as, we, as the law comes closer. Um, but right now, the, you, you've got to change your thinking as to what's coming and um, understand that as you plan ahead, as you plan for business and, and whatnot. Well, over yeah. the decades, these criminals, they force the governments to add more rules. I, I'd say they, as they get better, then maybe the government tries to get better, too, at catching them. It's a competition. Well, and as they said, at least the purpose, at least their stated policy is, hey, uh, ordinary people trying to just go about doing their business and be, you know, straight up with what they're doing, uh, they're not the, the worry in this. Mm -hmm. from what they're saying but it still doesn't mean it's not going to be uncomfortable or a pain in the butt to have to deal with this but it is but that's why we're out in front of it trying to tell folks here's what's coming get ready and so if you need to reach me you can do so at stuffs at pcc.law uh, stuffs at pcc.law uh, for any of your questions uh, that you might have and also you can call phone number at 877-647-7887.